Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Felina Edmonds, and I'm so excited to introduce our special guest today. She is a very talented skater who had huge promise for the U.S. when she was competing back in the day. Uh, She was on the juvenile podium at 10 years old, and at 13, she was a U.S. junior champion, Um, and she competed on the Team USA Junior Grand Prix circuit as well. And now she's inspiring skaters online with her Instagram page at Cat with the Skates. Guys, this is Caitlin Nguyen. Hey, Caitlin. (laughs) Hi, Felina. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Again, it's such an honor and it was such a nice surprise to see you like reach out to me. I was like, oh my God, it's Felina Edmonds screaming, like (laughs) fangirling. I love it. No, I'm so excited to have you on. I think uh, you have a really insightful, cool story to share about your own skating journey and Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. You were such a beautiful and promising skater when you were younger. Uh, We shared the ice a few times, uh, different levels, Mm -hmm. but still it was it was always good to see the sport being pushed by the young skaters. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I know that you got injured later in your career and, and we'll talk about that in your story. But first off, how did you get into skating and who were your coaches? So I started at the ripe age at two years old. So I started extremely early, like a lot earlier than a lot of the other skaters. And I started that early because both of my older sisters were skaters before me. So they just just took any opportunity they could to just throw me on the ice. And it's like, you know what, that's the next one. Next one in line. And yeah, I've been skiing ever since, but my coaches, I am originally, I originally trained in Colorado for, a long portion of my childhood and I switched around a lot of coaches um and then I moved to California I also switched around some coaches my last coach though and I absolutely love her she was Tiffany Chin and she was the one who got me through my senior year of skating so yeah that that's my coach or was my coach when I was competing outstanding well as you said, you you had numerous coaches throughout your career um, and you were super young during all of that time. So how did that feel for you to have to adjust to working with new people um, for kind of that majority of that competitive cycle? Since I started so young, I adapted really quickly to kind of the environment of having to adjust to new people, new settings, new rinks, new people and skaters. So Whenever I'd switch coaches, um, 
I was already really used to having to adjust to another person of command. So it, it honestly didn't really bother me because I moved around a lot when I was skating too. moved from, I was born in Missouri, <laughs> Missouri. And then <laughs> I moved to Colorado. I trained a little bit in Texas and I moved to California. So I was already really used to having to change environments all the time. Mm-hmm. What age did you learn your doubles and what age did you learn your triples? Okay, so I landed my single, I had to go all the way back, <laughs> landed my single axle when I was six. I immediately started all my doubles after that. I got all my doubles when I was around like seven, eight. Um, I landed my double axle when I was nine, five days after my ninth birthday. That's ex- that's the one thing I remember so long. <laughs> Five wow. birthday, and I started triples right after that so I think I got all my triples around maybe around, around like 12 I think 12 I got all mm-hmm. around all my triples and then yeah from there just kept going yeah and then you won the junior championship next year when you turned 13 <laughs> <laughs> it was very That's surprising awesome. <laughs> how could it be surprising when you had all your elements I don't know I'm I was always told back then that even though I had the elements, I had the technical portion, I never had the skating skills. I never had everything else. So I don't know, like that part of me always doubted myself when I was competing. Like, yes, I can do the jumps, but can I actually sell it? Can I actually perform? Mm -hmm. And like later on, I started to realize that like, yes, I was lacking a little bit in the skating skills, but then you started yeah. to give yourself more credit is what it yeah. sounds like, which yeah, is great. Yeah, a little more credit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how did it feel to be on the podium at the age of 10 for that juvenile national championship? That's kind of the first nationals that you get to experience at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and to already kind of get success in that way kind of shows that you're on your way to being promising for the next few levels. So what was the reaction you had, your coaches had um, to that win so to speak on the podium it was really exciting as a 10 year old you don't understand the full extent of that experience Mm -hmm. so I think at 10 years old I was just super excited to even podium at nationals because I don't know everyone made such a big deal of it but I didn't actually fully understand how much of a big deal and how much of a starting point that was for me for my career and I remember my coach he was he was super proud of me for even placing at all, but um, we trained hard for this and I was the one of the only skaters to have a double axle or two double axles, I think, <laughs> when I was in juvenile. So I think he kind of expected me to place, but nonetheless, my coaches and my family were super happy for me and I, I was super happy too. As a, as a little <laughs> 10 year old, getting a medal was super, super cool. Oh, definitely. I mean, every opportunity to get a podium I feel like when you're little you're just Mm -hmm. you're stoked on life for sure exactly (laughs) well then you won uh the junior championship at age 13 Mm -hmm. um and that's a huge deal you know being junior champion so how did you feel winning that championship and what were your expectations um upon winning the gold at that time like both currently like looking out to the next season because you know that's kind of the end of the season um nationals is and and like prospects wise for the future you know how how inspired were you with that gold 
I mean, that entire junior year season for me was a roller coaster because that was the year I moved to California from Colorado. And so, like I said, as I got older, it was a bigger adjustment for me, a little bit more of adjustment to coaches. So, yeah, I started that that year. I started pretty, pretty doubtful of how I was going to do in the junior season. But during that nationals, it was, I was just ecstatic. And my expectations for it were just, I didn't even care if I placed, I was just aiming to the best I could. And after the short program, I believe I was in third place. So I honestly didn't expect to win even. I just wanted to put myself out there and do the best that I could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that win was the stepping stone for me to really push myself into the JGP circuit and Team USA. So Mm -hmm. it was a humongous opportunity for me. I was blown away with how big it actually was, what that accomplishment was. Yeah. Well, let's talk about injury. You had a few injuries in your career. Um, Let's talk about them. What injuries did you have and, and what was the cause of those injuries? Um, I had many. So as you already know, after my junior year, I competed in the JGP circuit and I competed, I debuted as a senior at nationals too. After Mm -hmm. that, um, competition, that was actually my last competition, my senior debut at nationals, my last ever competition. And that was my last competition too. You know what? Good for us. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I know. Um, after that, I was training for the next senior season. I high expectations, high hopes, high dreams. And I had a really silly fall. I fell on a rocker and I fractured my back. What? How does that even happen? I feel like there's, there's definitely more backstory to that. How, I mean, I feel like it's not even having to do with the angle of the fall, but like, I guess, like, how healthy were you at the time that you fell? I feel like that has a huge factor to do with injury. Yeah, there's a little bit more context behind that. Um, I wasn't necessarily injured at the time. I was relatively healthy. But mm-hmm. even during the time when I was competing as a senior at Nationals, I was, my body was mangled. Um, I had a foot surgery two weeks before I competed at Nationals. What? Yeah. And then I also didn't realize until after the competition, I went to the doctor after I also tore my hamstring and I was competing with a torn hamstring. I also had some hip thing going on, but yeah, all of that combined, I think it was just the stress on my body and also not taking enough time to rest and recover. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really jumping that much of the time. Like I said, I was, I felt, I found footwork cause I was working on footwork. Yeah, but I think all that just combined, my body just just couldn't take it anymore. And it was just like, you know what, let's break. Yeah, that's crazy. How do you even get cleared to compete two weeks after surgery? It wasn't that it wasn't that major of a surgery. Okay. But I did go Word. under. Yeah, that's I mean, it, it really just sounds like there was a lot of stress on your body, right? Leading up to the kicker which was the fall on the rocker but mm-hmm. um what do you think was the cause of all of the other like smaller injuries that were kind of compressing onto you was it just like overtraining or was it um like specific instances where you had gotten hurt due to 
either like technique or off ice or whatever and then like just didn't get to rest it um like what was the lead up it was definitely overtraining for me I'm Mm -hmm. I had a I I, I had a bad habit and I still kind of do where I overworked my I overworked to the point of exhaustion and I generally just don't know when to stop and look say like hey that was enough for today we didn't do as well as we expected to let's do it again tomorrow like I have the very I have a very tunnel vision mindset where it's like gotta go 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 till I get it and so I think it was definitely overtraining and not not having anyone to really stop me because a lot of I felt a lot of external pressure during the time to like recover and compete well because I showed a lot of promise apparently to other people I don't know I don't know about myself but like a lot of people said I showed a lot of promise so there was a lot of pressure for me to do well in the next season to recover and you know live up to my expectations and so definitely overtraining definitely ignoring my body and my needs definitely just not putting myself first Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting just because you were so young while all of that was going on right you Mm -hmm. were probably what 14 at that age I was 14 I was the youngest in the field for uh, the 2018 uh, yeah. ladies championships exactly um so a baby so to speak I was a baby um, yeah I say that with full like commitment because I was also a baby when I came out on the junior and senior team so like I get it but nowadays that age is like the girls that are ripping all these like everyone's going for triple axles everyone's going mm-hmm. for quads um different than what we were trying to do at the time which was like triple triple and I guess like it started to shift to like the the higher stuff um 2018 and above but it's like crucial now for people to not be like hurting themselves prematurely for their career Mm -hmm. trying to get these jumps right um and so at that age you really do need somebody to direct you to hold you back from overworking yourself right Mm -hmm. so how were you overtraining in terms of like who was watching over you to try to hold you back was anybody there um whether it's your coach or your parents or whoever's on the ice with you how how did you overtrain at that age I'm super curious okay so back then (laughs) I wasn't with my 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 latest coach and I was with other coaches Mm -hmm. and uh, they were the ones who were overseeing my training and such. And I'm not going to lie, it's mostly on me because I have, again, I have this tunnel vision thing where it's like, go, go, go. No one can stop me. And I tend to not ever talk about when I'm in pain. So mm-hmm. a lot of times the people around me didn't even know I was hurting because mm-hmm. I always felt like that was a sign of weakness. And that was si- that was a sign. Def- it's definitely not, not a sign of weakness, but I know that now. When I was younger, I thought it was... I. I thought I let myself down. I would let my other people down because I felt like that if I got injured and I had to take time off, I would lose training time. I would lose like all that precious time for me to strive and get better and to live up to my expectations. And so, yeah, like a lot of times the people around me would just watch me skate and think I was completely okay. So that's on me. Well, it's not really your bad. I mean, you were a child. You were really young. Uh, You weren't able at that age to make those calls for yourself. Uh, And that's really where 
the adults around you and your team are really responsible for setting those limitations for you, guiding you, keeping you safe, keeping you healthy, and keeping you protected. You know, when you're young, and I'm speaking for so many young kids out there that are really working themselves to the bone to get uh, the elements that are relevant to today's skating. When you're young, your brain doesn't really process uh, exactly what's right for you and your body in terms of setting those limitations, setting that training plan, and that's where your coach comes in. You know, that's where your parents come in. Your parents feed you. Your parents oversee your sleep. You know, your coach oversees your training. It is a team process. It is not all on you to know everything uh, that's right for your training plan. You can't possibly know that when you're underage, when you're a minor, when you're a child. Um, And so for you, you not speaking up, maybe that harmed you, but really your coaches should have been watching you to see how you behave. It's really the coach's job to understand how their kids are processing things, um, how they behave in terms of training, in terms of competition, you know, where the nerves come, whether or not their kids do have those workaholic tendencies, whether or not they're more prone to overtraining and they can't set those limits for themselves. Um, It's really the coach's job to oversee that and control that. Um, You know, the coach really needs to have a good relationship with the student in terms of identifying how the student works as a person. Now, I know that you changed coaches a lot as you were younger. I know that uh, you moved around a lot when you were younger. So of course that can have to do with coaches that maybe don't know the student for as long um, and maybe can't see the the history that the student has had or the tendencies um, as quickly uh, because there just hasn't been as long of a time working with that student, right? Um, But for you, you know, in order to be open and to be vocal to your coaches, there really needs to be an established trust between the two people. The trust is really important in a student coaching relationship. So my question for you is, since you did move around a lot, was establishing trust between you and your coaches easy or was it difficult for you? I'd say that at the beginning, it was relatively when I was younger it was relatively easier for me because I I was really young I was like I was like 10 11 12 earlier before that I didn't really understand the relationship between a skater and coach that well because I was just so young I Mm -hmm. only understood coach tells me to do to do this they are my coach I will listen and I will go do it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what it is I'll just go do it but as I got older and you know started to explore skating a little bit more and see different environments and different people I started to learn that there are there's a such thing as skater and coach compatibility and Mm -hmm. I guess later on in my skating career it took a lot more time for me to open up to my coaches it took a lot more time for me to build trust and build that relationship so Mm -hmm. yeah I just think it's really interesting because you were so young and I again just think of the current generation of young skaters now and like how important it is that environment is positive and safe <laughs> mostly, I mostly. I really honestly wish that mental health and mental health mental health awareness being aware of your needs and your body was more advocated for when when I was a skater when mm-hmm. not like not like I'm not a skater now but like when I was competing I wish that side of skating was more talked about because it was mostly all get get everything done get it done as well as you can 
go to sleep, go repeat. <laughs> like your needs and skating for me personally was never really talked about. Like mm-hmm. when I was skating, a lot of times um, people never really, I've never heard anyone talk about mental health, especially when I was competing. I don't know if it was just my environment, but back then never heard anything about mental health. I never knew how important it was. Mm-hmm. I never knew how important it was for me to put my needs first in the sense of saying like, you know, my self-worth is not proportional to how well I can perform in skating. And it's okay for me to take a break and for it's okay for me to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think as at a young age, I was so trained almost like a robot to just believe that I can put my body through all this and it'll be okay as long as I get my jumps done and get everything done. Yeah. Yeah. Great segue. I think um, for the earlier generation of skating and I'm talking like what, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not even that early. Um, I feel like mental health has obviously become a part of the conversation these days. Um, but back then, a kind of similar viewpoint of it was just talking about like mentality and mental strength and skating. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was not nearly as focused on, right, as physical strength, which is the actual training of it all. When I look back at my career, it's interesting because I've always been very confident in myself as an athlete and skater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realize now that I'm older, a lot of that confidence came from my team, from my coaches and from specifically my parents, because they really instilled in me, like, you are good. Like you have everything that you need to be successful. Like you just have to work hard. Like that's the only puzzle piece that you need to consciously like keep drilling, but everything else is like, it's there, you -hmm. know? And, and I don't think that every skater or every athlete gets that. A lot of people get a lot of negative encouragement if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and so that development is so important for a young skater right um and so even a few things that I've heard you mention already is that you felt like there was a lot of pressure expectation on you from a young age because of your early success but you inwardly felt maybe not quite up to par with what everyone else was seeing Um, exactly yeah so so let's talk about that for a second what what type of mental I guess, like training and like turbulence did you go through at those young ages? And I think especially through your injury, because injury is really, really difficult for any athlete to go through. I mean, it just stinks. It, it really does. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like injuries are like one of the worst things that can ever happen to like an athlete, especially at their like peak, mm-hmm. peak of success. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, injury. Yeah. My mental health took a very, very steep decline during my injury Mm -hmm. um even like during that time after my last competition after that nationals I had a lot of those feelings of not being good enough because like you said I had a very quick success so during my junior year I I won every competition I competed in except for one during my senior year that was a really hard transition as well and then after that mental health took a decline and I just felt like I wasn't living up to everyone's expectations of me I felt like I let everyone down I felt like I let my parents down my coaches down especially myself down because I was always trained from a young age to hold myself up to a high standard Mm -hmm. and so as soon as I got injured I started blaming myself a lot that like oh I didn't I didn't stretch enough I didn't roll out enough I didn't I didn't do this enough I didn't I I felt really guilty Mm -hmm. and 
I didn't even know why I felt guilty until like later on. Like, I don't know. It was just a really, really hard time for me to see myself as a skater, but not just a skater, but like as a person. Because mm-hmm. at that time, I was only looking at my self-worth as my ability to perform. Right. And I like completely shut off like any other humanity <laughs> I had for myself. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really consistent with what I've heard so many skaters um, talk about also when they're an injury. You know, like most people, while you're spending so many hours of your life doing this one thing, you're going to identify with that the most, right? So as soon as that gets ripped out from underneath you, you're kind of like, who am I? Exactly. Um, I lost a yeah. lot of sense of self. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and it takes it takes time to kind of like put the puzzle pieces back together and and then you're a different person right um as I'm sure you've experienced over these last few years yeah but I think that just really goes to show how important environment is right so segue to environment um it's essential to any athlete's success and longevity in the sport um and it's really really important for young athletes because they're developing and growing throughout human phases (laughs) not only sport phases Um, So who they're around is like, it's very impactful on not only their uh, athlete, like success or like their athletics in general, but who they who they are as a person, you know, the qualities that they are um, learning and taking and practicing every day. So what environment or environments, since I know that you were part of several, um, were you a part of in skating and how did they affect your overall skating journey? Um, I'd say back when I was competing Mm -hmm. during, during a lot of that time, I was stuck in a really toxic environment, not really too toxic, but like it was, it definitely wasn't healthy for me. Like again, a lot of external pressure and yeah. Um, negative reinforcement and not even like just just like there was a there was a lot of negativity especially when I was at my peak so when I say at my peak (laughs) I mean like when I wasn't injured and when I was still competing like when I won Mm -hmm. nationals and stuff I felt even then I felt like I wasn't even really that happy with myself Mm because I felt like even after that even after nationals a lot of people were like, okay, but like, what about this competition next? Focus on this one next. And I didn't really have time to like really process my achievements. It was almost, it was always like, okay, this is done. Now, now time train for the next one. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think a lot of my environments back then were not very good for me. And I didn't even realize it until right now or like not right now, but like now <laughs> in my later years. Yeah. Um, you like because when you're when you're in the environment you don't really see from an outer perspective how it's really affecting you because back then when I was competing and skating I was just like oh this is my normal this is okay I every everyone goes through this everyone feels this kind of pressure it's okay (laughs) but now that I'm a little older I can look back and see wow that was not a very healthy place for 12 13 14 year old to mm-hmm. grow and develop and learn yeah and it was just it wasn't really anyone specific either that was making it really toxic for me I think it was just again the overall environment the people in it 
and yeah just that stage of life was not good for me yeah I mean it it's a lot of the times it's a combo of things right it's not just one specific like annoyance per environment um but it it also I think totally depends on the time period of your life right like what you're going through uh in inside of yourself as well as maybe like outside factors whether that be like family or that be school or be like other activities you know there's there's so much going on um but it's it is really important to find yourself in a position where you're thriving in like almost every way if possible and that's hard to do but I think it's it's very important for young people um and I also like didn't I only had one like kind of negative environment that I found myself in in my skating career towards the later years when I was like growing and going through puberty and you know that's so hard for any kid regardless of whether you're doing sports or not but especially Mm -hmm. in something like skating where you're getting judged Everything. Not only performance, appearance, literally everything. Yeah, everything. it's it's really hard to go through that in such like a public way. Um, and I'm not even talking like cameras for competitions, like even just to walk into the ice rink every day and see every single mom, see every single like skater, see all the coaches, you know, like you feel a lot of judgment. <laughs> yeah. And that's really tough. And I feel like yeah. certain certain skating environments too they try to pit other skaters against each other especially Mm -hmm. I mean that's what I was experiencing back when I was competing um I don't know how it is now I don't really I don't really compete anymore but especially back when I was competing there was a lot of kind of like forced rivalries happening happening between skaters a lot of people kind of comparing each each skater to each other a lot of pitting and butting heads and as a young skater I didn't even know what was happening I was just like oh hey another skater hello I'm just like like, I didn't know we're supposed to be rivals or something (laughs) like I just want to have a good time yeah I think rivalries will always be present um and I definitely think it depends on like the rank or like the area that you train in in regards to those rivalries um but yeah that's another thing that I always felt really lucky with with my coaching team was that they were very against ever comparing me And it was always like individual, like, oh, not tearing down the other skaters. Like, they're great. You're also great, but you got to work hard because they're working hard. It was more of that type of rivalry. Um, And I think that really contributed to my ability to actually be friends with all of my competitors, which I feel super thankful for now because I get to talk to everybody and meet up and it's not weird. (laughs) That's that's great. I'm yeah. really happy for you. And- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now you got more people on your podcast, you know? Did you ever try to make a comeback after that back injury or I was did. it? Okay. So let's talk about comebacks then. What was the comeback process for you like? And let's talk about the retirement stuff too after. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when I was back then, when I was like 14, back injury wasn't going to stop me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hop back up on my skates and go, go, go again. <laughs> like, it's going to work this time. I swear it's going to work. And um, so the recovery time, I think it took a few months. I don't really remember how exactly how long it was, but then I didn't let it heal long enough. <laughs> and so but when I was trying to do jumps and stuff again, I took a few hard falls and I was like, you know what? My back was like, no, 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 no. And I had to kind of bring it down again. But that recover that 
um, transition from doing literally nothing and healing to immediately going back into full speed training was super hard to adjust to. Like, and I definitely did not know how to take it slower mm-hmm. because I felt like I was behind schedule. Again, there was still a lot of pressure for me to compete that year and to, to excel mm-hmm. as a young skater. And I felt like I was, I had no more time left. So I had to overcompensate and overwork to make up for that time. Little 14 year old had no idea what I was, what I was saying or doing. <laughs> so I was just go, 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 <laughs> let's do it. And so funny enough, I got injured again <laughs> and it was a completely classic. separate, in- classic, classic Caitlin <laughs> got injured again after that. Um, so again, from overwork, <laughs> And I tore my labrum in my hip the, I, the following year because after that back injury, I knew that I couldn't compete that season. I was just not ready. I couldn't, my body couldn't physically handle it. And I just did not have enough time to train and to recover. So I was like, you know what? Okay, next season, let's go. And I overworked, I tore my labrum and it required a hip surgery that took six months to actually fully recover. and so I was out for another season and that was that was like when I was kind of in my lowest mental mental state I was in such a deep pit yeah I bet no but I I relate to that because I also when I had my injury um in my foot when I was 17 Mm -hmm. I came back too early didn't get like the best advice from doctors I like it they they were okay but it was just wishy-washy information so I felt like it was on me to make the call made it too early like every athlete does you know everyone just wants to get back out there um and then my re-injury made me wait like a year long to start skating again um so I I'm totally familiar with that comeback process and it just it it is really hard to go through and to be able to look at it from the perspective of you need to take proper rest and recovery time mm-hmm. and not rush back into it. It's just I feel like it's like against our nature essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um it was just built in me to keep going against, yeah. AMA, against medical advice. Oh well what what was your like coaching situation like during that time like who who is trying to help you make those calls in terms of um how far you were pushing training uh before you got re-injured because I again I feel like it's it's very crucial that everybody on the team be on the same page um that's something that I learned too when I was older and went through injury you know everybody needs to be working together and super vocal about what's happening um and again you were only what 15 at that time 14 14 15 15. I think I think 15 during that time yeah Um, so do you feel like like again it was just you not vocalizing that you were having like pains or was it like you not listening to the routines um that your coaches were giving you I think it was kind of a mix of both again me not vocalizing anything because Again, no one ever talked to me about how important communication was and how important it was for me to put myself and my body first. Mm-hmm. It was all just performance, skating, how well you can do it. And at that time, I was still still really young. And the people around me, um, they 
they would tell me to slow it down and rest, but not in a way that I could actually like understand of how important it was. They would just got it. It, it would be more of a kind of just like, oh, don't forget to rest though. You need don't just don't don't just overdo it. Just rest. And, yeah, yeah. And it was just like, and I was and I would always be like, okay, but like, what does that really mean? Like, to what extent do mm-hmm. I have to rest? And I feel like I was very disconnected from my team back then too. I felt mm-hmm. very disconnected to everyone because I was just in such a low point where I couldn't really feel that bond and that relationship between my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like what you said about them not saying it in a way that you could fully understand, especially at that age, right? Um, I, that's so important that you're able to convey the importance of everything that goes into a training plan um, to young kids. Um, I think that'll be really, really helpful for a lot of people who are young and training really hard these days, right? Everybody wants to reach the top, but it's incredibly hard to get there in a healthy way. Um, for retirement, you know, what what was that like for you? Did you decide to retire after that hip injury? Or again, was there another comeback? How many, how many comebacks? How many comebacks did you have? Come back, coming back are so hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big I three. Had, I had three comebacks too. And then I, I couldn't do a fourth one. So I said bye. <laughs> Big three. And then I was yeah. just I was just like, no, peace out. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna take a nap now. I feel that really hard. Yeah. Wow. After that hip injury, I was still very, very motivated. And I was still, I still believe, I still truly believe that I could do it that I could like get back up there and you know what recover even though during that time went through puberty so mm-hmm. I hit a, a humongous growth spurt like I was a lot taller than I was back then and mm-hmm. especially since I was injured I had no time to really adjust to my new body because I was busy recovering from injuries and not doing anything <laughs> And yeah, (laughs) like rethinking all my life decisions, like that takes up some time. And so after my hip injury, I again (laughs) tried to come back in skating and I had some, I tore both my hamstrings, not at the same time. It was just from overwork again, because I think it, my body was genuinely just trying to tell me that it was time to stop because I just kept going and going and going. And I, I really didn't feel like there was anyone to stop me or anyone mm-hmm. who was actively trying to stop me. Yeah, that's that's really tough. Yeah. Did you feel pressure to keep doing comebacks more so than your own like personal desire to skate? Did you feel like family pressure or coaching pressure? Because um, I know those are huge factors into why people you know, make the decision to retire or choosing to keep trying to come back? I felt a lot of external pressure to keep Mm -hmm. skating and competing because especially when I was in my lowest points, I really generally didn't really know why I wanted to keep skating. I just Mm -hmm. knew I kept wanting to do it, but I didn't know why. And I didn't even, even at that point, I didn't even know if I loved it still. And I didn't really know why I wanted to keep competing and why it was kept I kept pushing myself so hard even though my body was screaming for me to stop yeah um yeah so I I felt a lot of pressure to keep going even when 
I think internally I didn't really want to. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely, I definitely still had that drive to compete. And it wasn't like I was, I want to put it out there. I was not, never physically forced to keep skating. I was never like thrown onto the ice and was like, go do it. (laughs) But there was definitely a lot of, a lot of like little comments, a lot of external pressure to just keep going, get back to the top. Mm -hmm. Because again, I was, I was doing really well and I showed so much promise, but then immediately steep decline and everyone was expecting this big comeback from me like and I don't know I think I just my body just couldn't handle it and my body just couldn't handle any more pressure and all this stress (laughs) that I put on it yeah I mean stress is a huge factor it sounds like you were stressed even before (laughs) you got injured just because like mentally (laughs) yeah I mean it's really challenging and it, it has a huge effect on like all of your organs fun fact uh but then you decided to retire so did you feel um did you feel support in that situation or or that decision to retire um and did that impact your decision ultimately to retire I think when I retired every my team around me Mm -hmm. knew that it was kind of time for me to retire too um the most active person in my team was my physical therapist he was like my mentor he was like my my personal therapist (laughs) and (laughs) he was always there supporting me so yes I I knew I had the support from the select people that meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. and my my parents were supportive of me too because at that time I started college and they're like school yes school perfect segue it was like retirement the next chapter yeah but um I think the least supportive person was honestly myself because I started from so young and it it was basically my entire life and I let it define me I didn't really look at myself in any other way except for being an ice skater I didn't really see the person behind it and the artist behind it I just kind of saw the skater and it took, it took a long time for me to accept that it was time to retire because again, I had, I tried three times to come back. (laughs) I was really stubborn and I did not want to give up, but it took a long time for me to say, you know what? I think it's time to hang up my skates competing wise. Yeah. Move on to the next chapter of my life. And it took a long time for me to understand that that was completely okay. Definitely. Do you feel like uh, your injuries had the most impact on your choice to retire? As in like, I'm talking enough's enough, like my body like can't handle this anymore. So I'm going to stop. Or did it feel more like a mental thing of like, I'm just emotionally exhausted from this whole process and I need to like close this door and open the next one? I think it was definitely a mix of both. Physically, um, Physically, I knew my body couldn't really take another major injury. Yeah. And emotionally, I knew that I was just so drained. And I put a lot of stress and pressure on myself during that time. So uh, definitely a mix of both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good on you for choosing health. (laughs) Health. That is (laughs) the one time I'm going first. (laughs) Well, you know, as you get older, it only gets worse. So um, for you, you. for you to make that call, it's, it's a huge, 
huge stepping stone to get past, especially when your mind has been wired to think one way for your entire child life. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always in support of people prioritizing their health because skating ends, skating ends. Um, also huge supporter of going to college. I also retired at the same time that I was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, and that made a huge difference for me in my retirement journey as well, because I was essentially distracted from the loss of skating with the stress of school yeah I mean the stress of tests never really gave me the same stress that um skating competitions did so it always felt way more chill maybe it was the classes I was taking maybe but um I really liked the environment of being with a ton of like people my own age and like people that were talented in things other than sports and skating yeah um to see the inner workings of how everybody else was going through life and at the same time was uh it was super eye-opening for me and really shifted my growth in a new way that I felt like was really beneficial so what's your experience been with college and uh yeah what are what are you up to now um I feel like after I retired and I stepped into a completely new environment like huge culture shock like wow people my own age who don't skate like (laughs) this is insane um I think like you said it was really eye-opening for me to look at life from another perspective from look to look at it from a perspective that wasn't a skater's perspective it Mm. was just it was just completely transforming for me to start to develop and I feel like full like truly develop as a person aside from a skater like Mm. I'm finally at a point where I wasn't developing my triple triples or my spins I was developing my other traits and my other qualities and my other hobbies and yeah I I feel like after retirement after I stepped away from skating I finally found myself as a person and I'm still looking but I finally can appreciate the sport for what it was and you know what it wouldn't like (laughs) No, you're good. Keep it going. I finally appreciate the sport for what it was and instead of like what it could have been is what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Finally appreciating my achievements and not what I could have lived up to based on expectations. And it was so cool to transition from retired competitive skater into being a coach and finally like giving back to the next generation of skaters. And it's been, I love coaching so much. It's so awesome for me to see young skaters and like to see myself within them like to see that drive and that passion that love for skating which I had when I was young and yeah I love where I'm at right now I'm pre-med in college right now and I coach I volunteer at a hospital and I'm loving my life where it is right now yeah that's amazing good for you thank you I think uh Anytime you kind of step away from the sport and in most cases of people I've talked to with retirement, as well as my own experiences, I feel like there's really a sense of healing that you go through that you don't even realize is happening until you reflect, you know, whether that's a year later, two years later, whenever the time period is for you. Um, And you can actually look back at your career and be satisfied and you know that you've essentially healed, (laughs) (laughs) which is, it's cool. It's such a healing process because I'm still healing. It's 
it was a long journey and it still takes a lot of time to heal but like that entire process of me accepting and developing and growing as a person and changing my perspective a little bit was so healing and it kind of got me out of that rut I was stuck in Mm -hmm. during that whole three comeback period (laughs) where I injured myself consecutively one after the other um it really pulled me out of that rut and I'm so thankful for all my experiences. I'm, and I'm honestly really thankful I got injured too. As weird as that sounds, I'm really thankful that I got injured in because I learned so much from them too. And like, not even just about my own body, my own needs, but overcoming adversity and realizing mm-hmm. that just because I didn't make it to the Olympics doesn't make me any less of a skater. It doesn't invalidate my achievements whatsoever. And know it's okay to just like skating and just to skate for yourself exactly I think uh as athletes we put a lot of value on the competitive success Mm -hmm. uh regardless if you win last year you know everyone's always looking towards next year so it you always are kind of kind of feel like oh I could have done more you know I'm I have times where I feel like that so many skaters I've talked to have times where they feel like that um but the best part about stepping away and realizing that you're not actually so far from skating is knowing that the impact that you can have it's so much more than your competitive career and the results that you get year after year you can make such a splash and make differences in so many people's lives by just being present sharing experiences your coaching. That's amazing. You can give so much insight. That's so valuable to so many skaters, right? Um, You can help prevent, you know, the downsides that happen to you. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the coolest part. So I think it's so awesome what you're doing. And I'm I'm glad to hear that it's going well. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm so thankful for my platform too on Instagram, because I generally did not expect it to blow up as much as it did. I just like posting videos of me skating because it was part of the healing process for me. It was part of me healing and just loving skating for what it was. And I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna post this on Instagram. And then boom, like two weeks later, a hundred, hundred thousand new followers. And I was like, what even is this? <laughs> I was so surprised and shocked in the best way possible because this was like kind of like a, pro- a passion project for me to share my story. And I'm so thankful that I have this platform to share mental health awareness and to share my experiences from when I was a skater to give Southeast Asian representation in in skating too, because that was non-existent when I was little. And so I'm super happy that I'm able to promote like empowerment, putting yourself first, like responding to your needs, communication and everything on my Instagram. So it's just cool. It's just so insane to me how my skating journey has taken me to has opened so many doors for me and I'd never expected it to go this way exactly and if you keep pulling on that golden thread that's inherently you know connected to you you have no idea where it's going to take you and there's Mm -hmm. so much opportunity um yeah it's it's great what you're doing on your account everybody it's cat with the skates you're making all those lessons from skating super accessible to so many people, which is amazing. So it's awesome to see you thriving on Instagram with all that fun skating content. Yeah, keep it going, man. Keep still it going. Still just a broke college student, though. Still, still, still eating on them ramen noodles. That's okay. You'll get there later. <laughs> 
the universal college experience. We all love it. I love that. Well, the last question I have for you is what advice would you give to talented young kids that are chasing competitive success right now based off of your experiences? Take it slow. You have all the time in the world. There is no need to rush. And definitely, definitely listen to what your body needs. Listen to what your body is trying to tell you. And definitely listen to medical professionals. <laughs> if they tell you to rest for six months, they, you should probably rest for six months. <laughs> and, Amen. Yeah. And, you know, just, just do what you love, honestly. Never let anyone take that passion away from you. Never let anyone take away that drive and that motivation. And to tell you that your self-worth is equivalent to your ability to perform in a sport or any or anything really because you know your self-worth and you know what just who cares what other people say just do what you love just do it because you want to well there you have it you know everyone has their own time of success yours specifically for skating was when you were really young competitively speaking and it's still ongoing now with everything that you're doing um i am Definitely a huge supporter of recognition in all ages and levels of skating because I know how hard everybody works. Um, so what you have been able to achieve this far in your life, which you're still so young, um, is fantastic. So keep that positive energy going. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Polina. It's been such a journey. This was such a healing conversation, honestly. It was very... I'm, I'm super thankful I got to open up and share my story. I love it. Loved having you on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.